0: Old Testament reading this morning is from Psalm 138 and it can be found on page 621 of your pew Bible. Psalm 138. I will praise you Lord with all my heart. Before the gods I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. This is the word of the Lord. The New Testament reading this morning is from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It's found on page 1137 in your pew Bibles. A living sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, Sherman Street. Uh, Today, as you heard from Tony, we are starting a new series, uh, Seven Weeks, which is much more reasonable than our last series, which was 57 weeks. Um, We're calling this one Together, God's Invitation to Become Who You Are Through Community. Um, And we will be going through Romans 12. And today, I am going to preach on just one verse. Uh, I had the scripture reader read too, but I'm going to stick with just verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, and I'm going to say mercies instead of mercy because that word is plural in the Greek, and I think there are many, I urge you in view of God's mercies to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Um, at first glance, I think it seems like that verse has nothing to do with community, and so a strange place to start a series like this. Uh, But actually, I think it's perfect for two reasons. Uh, First, this verse is the hinge point in the book of Romans. Um, You know, like a hinge that makes a a thing turn. Um, The therefore at the beginning marks a turning point in the book. Chapters 1 through 11, Paul has been theologizing. He has been rehearsing the mercies of God, and now he says, therefore, and he turns in the rest of the book of Romans to give the church in Rome some instruction on how then, because of those mercies, they should do life together. Um, The church in Rome has been having some of the same problems that a lot of churches at that time were having. Uh, Like we talked about last week, there are struggles between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians in discerning what it is to live rightly, to be faithful. And the two groups are at odds with one another. Paul has been uh, making the case that God has drawn those two groups together by God's grace. And so now Paul says, therefore, in view of God's mercies, here is how we live together. And in chapter 12, he will unpack that more. And we will unpack it over the next seven weeks. Um, the second reason that this is a good place to start is that everything that we do is done in view of God's mercies. And it is God's mercies that set us free to do it well. And so this morning, I want to spend a little time reviewing those mercies, starting right at the very beginning. Christians believe this amazing and strange thing, that at the heart of all that exists is relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are one God in the mystery of the Trinity, one God in three persons... And the three exist in this divine dance of love, always giving themselves to the other, always making space for the other and serving the other. In the relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we see that God is love right in God's self. And all that is, all that we see in the world, in the universe, all has been created in by, for, through this love. We are just here to share in it. That's the whole reason for our existence. And so God's mercies start right at creation with the gift of every good and beautiful thing that we know. We were made good And given the task of caring for this world, of working with it, of creating and delighting in it all as we walk with God, sharing in the love of the Trinity. Right at the heart of all that there is, is relationship. Of course, that perfection didn't last very long, right? When sin came, all the things (laughs) came... Sin brought with it all the things that make this world an incredibly difficult place, right? With the first bite of the apple, Adam and Eve learned shame and fear. They hid from God. They blamed one another. Divisions arose between people and then enmity between people and the rest of creation. And soon those gave birth to striving and envy, to murder and despair. And God's good creation fractured. There is still so much goodness But in so many ways, it has been wrenched out of shape, distorted, broken. Like, everything has become painful. And it makes sense that all of us who were created out of this perfect dance of love, as we all were, would crave belonging and intimacy and connection, that we might even die without it, and we do right? Children die for want of being touched, and out of loneliness, older people are much more prone to disease, prone to Alzheimer's. We were made for love, by love. We need it. It is who we are. But it's just not as easy as it was meant to be. Because even through all of our advances in technology, all of our education and our discoveries, we are still fearful and ashamed. We still strive and envy. We still don't quite know how to do this one thing that we were made for. A new kind of mercy began almost as soon as sin entered the picture. While Adam and Eve hid in the bushes, God came to them calling, where are you? And when they told him that they were afraid because they were naked, the first sacrifice was made the skin of an animal to cover their shame. And it was painful for the animal and for the God who loved the animal. And it was such a kindness because it's not like God was upset about their being naked, God had made them that way. But they were scared. And so God accommodated to them so that they could come out of hiding. And ever since, through ages and generations, through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, through the people of Israel, through Jesus, and through the church, God has been making a way for us. And it has never been perfect, and we have not arrived, but God continues to work and to call us and to make a way. In Jesus... God's mercies came to us again in a new way. God's own self in human form. God had apparently had enough of the distance created by sin, and so God crossed it. And in Jesus' own person, the kingdom of God broke into this world. Jesus lived the shalom, the peace of God's kingdom, in the midst of a violent world. By choice, he walked undefended into the jaws of evil and allowed himself to be crushed. But he rose again on the other side, breaking the power of sin in this world and setting us free, and showing us what has been true about this world and about ourselves and about God all along, that at the center of all of it is Love as much as violence, deceit, and money seem to rule here. There is a power that conquers them all, though it seems vulnerable and weak, and it is love. And now there is nothing, Paul says in Romans 8, nothing that can separate us from the love of God. We spend all this time trying to prove that we are lovable, that we're worthwhile, that we're okay. But, friends, we do not need to do that anymore. The cross has shown us exactly what we are worth. You do not have to justify your existence anymore, you are free. And if your creation, just as you are, and the cross didn't prove it, then let the Holy Spirit try to make the case for you too. Because in the Holy Spirit, God chose to come even closer. To dwell in you. You are the new temple. The seat of the sacred. Now, as Augustine says, God is closer to you than you are to yourself. What could we possibly have to prove after that? And obviously the world is still hard. We are still waiting for things to be made right. And when the scriptures give us images of what we're waiting for, love is still at the center of it all. The images are of peaceful community, a wedding, a feast, a city, where all our tears are wiped away. And so it makes sense That when God calls us now to be a part of God's healing work in this world, God does not call us to do it alone. Maybe cannot call us to do it alone, because love requires an other. We are called instead into a worshiping community, which we call the church. And the church navigates, sorry, my microphone is like loose and keeps slipping, so I keep messing with it, let me just try here. Let's see, oh, that feels better. Okay, <laughs> the church navigates this really strange existence, right? We have a firm belief that God's kingdom has come, that it is available for us now, and the awareness that the world is still painfully broken, and also that these realities of good and evil don't just exist out there or somehow between us and them, they exist right in here in each one of us. And so while we long for love, we still resist it. We know we need each other even as we push each other away. We want to be known and seen even as we hide. We want unity just while we're creating division. We want peace and we make war. It all means that our efforts at love are always going to be painful. It is so difficult to love in this world, more difficult than anything else. And so if you want it, you have to choose to give yourself to it entirely. No one will force you. You know, even in our text, Paul doesn't command anyone into this life he's recommending. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, offer yourselves. I urge you. You get to pick what you will do. In view of God's mercies, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And it's your body, he mentions, because learning to live in unity, in love, will require your whole self. And it will require you to do things. It's about, you know, as intellectual as we CRC people can be, it is about much more than what we think. And it's a sacrifice. Because like the cross, it will be painful. In a sinful world, the work of love is painful. But it also is the only thing that brings healing, and hope, and justice, and true freedom. The difficulty is that we have to be vulnerable for love, right? You have to make yourself open to being hurt. And vulnerability is enormously risky. And the more intimate you get, the more risky it becomes. We all know that the people who are closest to us are most able to hurt us. But it is required if you want connection and community. It is required to find healing, to find love. You have to risk. And the crazy thing about it all is that we can't promise you anything Conflict will come. You will probably get hurt. You will probably be misunderstood. And when that happens, if you want to stick with the community, then the work of reconciliation will be required. And that is a whole other kind of tough. Then you will have to speak truthfully and vulnerably to somebody who has already hurt you. And then you'll have to work to listen to understand them. You'll have to be willing to set appropriate boundaries and figure out what those are. You have to be willing to forgive. You have to be willing to hold people accountable, even though that's very difficult, and also be willing to be held accountable. The work of love in a sinful world is difficult and dangerous. And one thing that I can guarantee to you in it is that whatever you do, it will not be perfect. It will have flaws and mixed mixed motives and misconceptions. And I think, I do think that true community is possible outside the church, but I'm not actually, I'm actually not sure how. Uh, Because it is much easier in view of God's mercies. Maybe not even just in view of them, but, being, but having rehearsed them. Having spent years working with them and trying them on and struggling with them and learning finally to rest in them. Having learned that we don't need to defend ourselves. That we can instead just rest in God's love no matter what is happening that God's attention is enough. So that we can slow down enough to listen, pause before we react, take a minute to see a perspective that's different than our own. Having rehearsed these mercies enough that we have learned that we don't need to justify ourselves, not just learned it in our mind, but in our bodies so that we can remember in each moment that we bear the image of God and no one can take that away and that, each, and that we are endowed with gifts to offer and nobody can say otherwise and also that that is true of every other person. Having rehearsed the mercies enough that we have learned that we do not need to wallow in shame, but that whatever happens, it is all forgiven. And each new day, each new moment is a new chance to change, a new chance to love well, to receive forgiveness and grace, and also to extend it to others. Now, this, re- this week we remember Dr. King. And is he not the perfect example of this? That his love made him extremely vulnerable. Vulnerable. That his love caused him to offer his body as a living sacrifice. That his love required him to speak truth, hard truth, even in the midst of staying connected to a church that wounded him and refused even to stand up with him. His love called him to, you know, write the letter from Birmingham jail. To say, I am disappointed in white Christians. And yet, he remained connected. To say, even if they beat me, I will love them. And I will save myself as well as them. God's mercies make a way for us to learn to love because they help us to put aside the fear and the shame that keep us from love. And when we remember these mercies and offer ourselves to this love, then the most obnoxious people become our greatest teachers. We learn to breathe deeply through a conversation that makes our blood boil, to practice being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. To practice being vulnerable enough and truthful enough to speak against injustice and oppression and abuse. To know that our voice and our perspective matters, that we might stand up in that space. And in those conflicts that always arise, we then recite to ourselves that the image of God resides in that jerk, too. And so we determine that we will learn to see it. And we mutter a prayer under our breath and ask the Spirit to help. It is the community and the trouble of it all that teaches us to love like Jesus. We learn to love our frustrating neighbors at the same moment as we learn to love our God who loves them. And just to add mercy to mercy and grace to grace in God's hands, even our failings at all of this bear fruit. Our temptation to despair becomes the opportunity for us to learn again of the unfailing love of our God who will never forsake us. As we hold our imperfections and mistakes out before the grace of our God and we receive love anyway, We become more able to love through the imperfections of others. And in each step, whether we do it well or we do it badly, by the grace of God we find a connection, we find hope, we find ourselves, and we find Jesus. We find the sacrifice of the cross and the darkness of the tomb and the hope of the resurrection. And so I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, just like Jesus did. Walking into the tough parts of life, maybe scared, maybe imperfectly, maybe not quite sure if you're doing it right, but determined to be like Jesus Determined to let love lead you and determined to let grace pick you up when you fall. This, my friends, is our true and proper worship. Please pray with me. God, your mercies are unending, and sometimes it seems so hard to let them sink into our hearts, to know them for real, and so I pray that by your spirit, um, we would know them a little more today and each day. that they would be so um, deep in us that they would flow out through us and that we would find that our community helps us only to make them more real when we get things right and when we get things wrong. Lord, have mercy on us. In Jesus' name, amen.